You are listening to the new Mutual Audio Network. Welcome home. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. It's Jack Ward driving the back end of the fire engine as we race down the streets. You're listening to the Sonic Society 693 and myself with firefighter David Alt are racing to our feature this week. Right you are, Jack. This week we have the first episode of the Firehouse Radio Players from Richmond, Virginia. And episode one begins right here on the Sonic Society. And we're live in five, four, three, two, one. Support for public broadcast radio comes from financial support from the Goliath Foundation. Goliath, might makes right. And from (sighs) the generous support of our listeners. Public Broadcast Radio, PBR. Good evening and welcome back to PBR's Radio Classics, a showcase of some of the wonderful programs from the golden age of radio. I'm Craig Tapper, and alongside me as always is my co-host, Farley Hopper. Salutations, Craig. I can't wait to hear more of our favorite voices from the past. It's a wonderful treat each week to turn back the dial to those thrilling days of yesteryear and leave the cares of the modern world behind. No internet, no smartphones, no endless cycle of calls from debt collectors. It truly was a simpler time, Craig. Calling so many times that you can't imagine life without the sound of a ringing phone. (laughs) No smartphones? Sign me up. What old-time radio gems have we pulled from the vault this week, Craig? First on the bill, it's a concentrated dose of hard-boiled mystery with that master gumshoe cliffhanger private eye. One of my favorites. Yes, Barley. Of all the detectives who closed cases during the golden age of radio, cliffhanger certainly was one of them. Let's listen. (laughs) Let's listen, shall we? When danger crashes your party, I'm your bouncer. When trouble cuts a rug, I'm your dance partner. When evil keeps its library books past the due date, I collect the fines. That's right, I'm Cliffhanger, Private Eye. Yes, it's that master detective, Cliffhanger Private Eye. The Seamus who's out for justice, a quick buck, and trying to solve a mystery before the end of the show. Brought to you by PB Paint, America's number one lead-based paint. And now, 
here's Cliffhanger in tonight's adventure, The Seductive Suspect. Or, she loves me, she loves me not, she loves me murder. <laughs> it was a hot summer morning, the kind of day that made you wish for a bourbon ice cream cone. I was in my office with my feet up on my desk, reading Cliffhander, Private Eye, in the glass of my door. I was thinking I should really get that fixed one of these days when my door opened. Mr. Hanger. The woman in my doorway was beautiful, but she was nervous. More than that, she was downright scared, like she was sitting above a dunk tank and staring down a softball. I didn't know if you'd be here. I looked outside for your secretary. No, Georgina. She's off for the holiday. Today's a holiday? So she tells me. Have a seat, Miss... O'Sullivan. Moira O'Sullivan. Thank you. What can I do for you, Miss O'Sullivan? Oh, it's all so terrible. I don't know if you'd even believe me. Try me. I have a feeling that I'm going to be arrested for murder. What makes you say that? Oh, I didn't. It was those people yelling, Stop her! She's a murderer! <laughs> As I was running away. Uh, <laughs> And running away from... The dead body. I'm sure I mentioned that. Pretty sure you didn't. Dead bodies are hard to forget. Oh, I know. I'll never forget this one. Who was the corpus delecti? Beg your pardon? The victim? The corpse? The stiff? Mr. Hanger, please, show some respect. Oh, of course. You've heard of Jonathan Waring? The millionaire? The one who plays Monopoly with real money? Not anymore. Not with any kind of money. Oh, he's the... it was him. Yes. He and I were... well, we were very close. Oh. Oh. Uh, forgive me, but you're a beautiful young woman. Thank you. And he was... Older? I was going to say a walking husk, but... <laughs> Older sounds better. I suppose there was an age difference between me and Johnny, but I didn't mind it. I saw in him things no one else did. He was so rich. In personality. He had a wealth of kindness. And he was loaded with love for his fellow man. Sounds like you saw a lot in him. And now to think that he's dead, and even worse, that I might be blamed for his murder. Oh, Mr. Hanger, can you help me? There was something about her, her darting, calculating eyes, the way her long legs fidgeted in the chair, and her perfume that smelled like lavender and gunpowder. <laughs> Couldn't put my finger on it, but I could tell this girl was in trouble. Trouble so deep you should wait at least an hour after eating before you go swimming. But I was tough, and I'd skip breakfast. <laughs> I'll take the case, Miss O'Sullivan. I should warn you, I charge $100 a day, plus expenses. Oh, well, I'm afraid I can't pay you anything now, Mr. Hanger. But I am due to inherit the bulk of Johnny's estate. Oh, I see. <laughs> that is the one silver lining in all of this that I was able to convince him to make that change to his will before this terrible tragedy. Pretty lucky. You should buy a lottery ticket. Oh, I don't need to. I'm going to inherit all of that money. 
from the man you're accused of killing. Of course. It's not as if men just go around leaving me money in their wills. As often as I'd like. Hmm. Well, Miss O'Sullivan, you should stay here and lay low. I'll drive out to the crime scene and see what I can learn from the police. Don't worry. You just leave it to me. Oh, Mr. Hanger, when I saw your ad in the phone book, I had no idea you were such a determined and handsome detective. Well, that ad doesn't really capture my good side. I'm going to feel so safe in your hands. I excused myself before I set off the fire alarm. I steered my car out of town to the Waring Estate. It was a modest little palace at the end of a private freeway lined with enough trees to give a woodpecker apoplexy. Yes, sir. I'm afraid we're not entertaining salesmen today. The only thing I'm selling is justice. And if you buy now, I'll throw in some law and order. Name's Cliffhanger. Private Eye. Very good, sir. Please come in. May I take your coat, sir? Why, you got one of your own? I'm the butler, sir. Butler, huh? You didn't bump off old man Waring, did you? How droll, sir. Certainly not heard that one today. While I hate to ruin a joke, I did not kill Mr. Waring. Ah, uh, well, worth a shot. In fact, the stereotype of butlers as murderers is one we in the butling community continue to fight every day. Ah, uh, well. Could you point me towards the gendarmes? Corsa, right this way. What do you say your handle was, Jeeves? I am hollow, sir. We are not all named Jeeves, though I suppose all butlers look alike to most people. I guess you know just about everything that goes on in this house. My position grants me a unique perspective on the home and its residents, sir, but I really couldn't say anything about it. I bustle, I do not blab. Hmm. So you wouldn't have anything to say about Miss Moiro Sullivan? Simply wouldn't be proper, sir. Why, I could tell you that Miss O'Sullivan is the sort of conniving female that would put the coldest gold digger to shame, but it just wouldn't be done. I see. <laughs> Etiquette and all that. Precisely, sir. Of course, I could tell you that the calculating shrew wouldn't know etiquette if it shook her hand and introduced itself, but it simply wouldn't be proper. <laughs> ah, here we are. You're the sole discretion. There's a type of orderly chaos to a crime scene. It's like a yard sale with a body count. Spotted Lieutenant Michael Murphy across the room. Murphy was a good cop, and he could catch a crook as easily as he could catch the flu. Glory be, if it isn't Cliffhanger. Sure, and you're welcome aside for these Irish eyes, but what are you doing here? You know me, Murphy. Murder is a magnet. Death is a draw. Larceny is a leash. <laughs> Looks like you got a three-ring circus here. Only one of the richest men in town getting bumped off right in his own study. But none of the papers have carried the news, and yet here you are. How'd you hear about the shenanigans? And don't be telling me it was the work of the little people. I'll level with you, Mike. The O'Sullivan dame hired me to check things out. She thinks she might be a suspect. Thinks she might be a suspect, does she? It'll only be a matter of hours before I slap the cuffs on her myself. I wouldn't do that. You'd be arresting an innocent woman. Oh, Cliffy, me boy. Don't tell me that you're falling for a pretty face, even when every piece of evidence says she's guilty as the Emerald Isle is green. What? 
Don't be crazy. What do you have besides her inheriting his fortune and being seen fleeing the house after the murder? You're right. I suppose all we have is motive, means, and opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> you got a house of cards built on a toothpick foundation, Murphy. And I'm going to nap your killer for you. We'll be seeing about that, won't we? Well, come along then. If you're going to be snooping around, at least let me be in the room with you. Here he is. Ugh, didn't tell me he'd been shot in the face. He wasn't. Oh. <laughs> Plugged right in the ticker with a shot from a 38. Any prints on the gun? The killer must have taken the gun with her. Was anybody else at home when it happened? Sure. There was the butler and the victim's niece and nephew. Think I could have a chat with them? They're in the other room. I'll introduce you. I wanted to get to know the other suspects. Despite my big talk to Mike, the case against my client was pretty strong. I couldn't stop thinking about her. That is, her plight and her tender innocence. Anyway, I had to meet the other suspects. This is Max Waring, the victim's nephew. And this is Gail, his niece. The gentleman is Cliffhanger. He's a private detective. Do we have to talk to him? Uh, I was about to take a nap. I appreciate your time, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Not half as sorry as I am. The old coot bled all over that Louis XIV chair, not to mention the bullet hole he left in the back. How are we supposed to sell it now? Uh, I don't suppose either you saw or heard anything around the time of the murder. Not me. I was taking a nap. Didn't you just say you were about to take a nap? I am not on trial here. I practically saw the whole thing happen. I was walking to the study to complain to Uncle about my allowance when I saw Moira O'Sullivan running out the side door and across the lawn. But you didn't actually see or shoot your uncle. Who else could it have been? She's had her hooks at him for months, trying to get every penny that should have been ours. She even gave the old bat this insane notion about leaving his money to Caherity. Don't you mean... Don't you mean charity? I don't know. Never seen the word till yesterday. She filled his head with horrid ideas. Why, just yesterday, Uncle told us he was going to sell the house and fire all the servants. He wanted us to <laughs> live within our means. It doesn't sound like there was any love lost between you and your uncle. You're a private detective, Mr. Hanger. Why are you so interested in our uncle's death? Who's your client? If you must know, Miss Waring, it's Miss O'Sullivan. What? That woman. Harlow! Yes, sir? Fix a drink and throw it against the wall for me. I'm... <laughs> furious. Very good, sir. She fooled my uncle, Mr. Hanger. It looks like Moira's fooled you, too. I don't believe she killed your uncle, despite what you may have seen. Will that be all, sir? Yeah. That's all. Very good, sir. I suggest you leave, Mr. Hanger. I think I will. Although it's interesting, isn't it? Miss O'Sullivan were, say, incarcerated for your uncle's murder. All of her inheritance would come to you and your brother. What are you suggesting? That she's not the only one around here with a motive. Huh, I'm so sick of this. It's like being trapped in a hellish prison. I'll be taking my nap. <laughs> Thank you.
Facts of the case were doing the Charleston through my mind during the drive back to town. What had happened to the gun? Could my client be lying to me? And how could one man nap so much? I decided I needed to get next to my client to meet with her and stay on top of her until I got to the truth. Well, Mr. Hanger, how did it look? You're the prime suspect, that's for sure. Waring just fixed his will in your favor. You had access to the house, and a niece says she saw you running from the scene. Gail's never liked me. I can't imagine why. She thinks you poisoned her uncle against her and tried to milk him for every dime he had. Hmm. No, I don't think that's it. <laughs> anyway, there's one piece of evidence the cops are still missing, and that's the murder weapon. I wonder if it's this one. That doesn't mean anything. Lots of women keep guns in their purses. It was on the floor of the study, right next to Johnny's body. Nuts. I thought it might be important, so I made sure to pick it up. Suddenly, Murphy's words flashed back through my mind. You're a welcome sight to these Irish eyes. Then I remembered more of his words. The killer must have taken the gun with her. Now listen, doll. It's the bottom of the ninth and the bases are loaded. I need a pinch hitter of truth out of you right now or I walk. Did you kill the old man? Oh, Cliff. Cliff, how can you ask me that? All of the evidence. Literally all of the evidence. <laughs> points at you and you alone. Oh, I see why you ask me. <laughs> no, no, I didn't kill him. That's the truth and nothing but, Cliff. You've got to believe me. Sorry for intruding, but your secretary was gone. I think it's a three-day weekend. It's Wednesday. What do you want, Mike? Did you realize the error in your ways? It's a good thing you're with her, Cliffy, my boy, because Miss O'Sullivan needs your help more than ever. Moira O'Sullivan, I'm placing you under arrest for the murder of Jonathan Waring. Oh, no. Mike, will you get it through your thick head? She didn't do it. I know two things, Cliffy, my boy. One is corned beef after midnight is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> the second is that evidence doesn't lie, and the evidence in this case is going to land Miss O'Sullivan a seat in the electric chair. I'm telling you that you're... Chair. Wait just a minute. What is it, Cliff? You look like you got swatted by a shillelagh. I got swatted by an idea, Mike. Can you get everyone back at the Waring Mansion? I think I just cracked this case. We'll hear the exciting climax of today's cliffhanger caper in just a moment. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you happy with your walls? Is their color soothing? Or does it remind you of the cracked peeling inside of your own soul? <laughs> if your walls are in need of sprucing, may I suggest a coat or two of PB Paint, America's favorite lead-based paint. Doctors and teachers agree it's the only paint for hospitals and classrooms. <laughs> its bright colors keeps patients at rest and pupils focused. Available in white and off-white for whatever mood you want to capture in your room. PB Paint, available now. And now, back to Cliffhanger, Private Eye. All right, Cliff, I think we're all here. Lieutenant, why is that woman not in a jail cell? Seeing her makes me so angry I want Harlow to throw another drink. Whenever you're ready, sir. Thank you all for coming. We're standing in the study where earlier today, someone murdered Jonathan Waring. Which is sure to help the resale value of the house. Now, no one has an airtight alibi. Miss O'Sullivan, Max, and Gail were all by themselves at the time of the murder. 
but I think Mr. Waring can tell us who killed him. But he's dead. Dead people can't talk. Moira, honey, why don't you just stand over there until I'm wrapped up? That's a girl. I didn't think of this until Gail mentioned that Jonathan Waring bled all over his chair, and there was a bullet hole through the back. That means he was sitting down when he was shot. And I could be lying down right now, taking a nap. Quiet, you. Go on, Cliff. Now, Gail, if you were sitting down and someone you knew walked into the room, what would you do? I'd tell them to go away. Okay, maybe that was a bad example. Murphy, if you were sitting down and someone you knew walked in, what would you do? <laughs> Seems to me I'd stand up to say top of the morning. Exactly. You'd stand to greet him. And if Jonathan Waring stood up to greet his killer, the bullet would have gone through him and out the bay window behind the desk. But he didn't stand up. He was sitting down, and that's how the bullet went through the back of the chair. Ugh, standing up and sitting down. This reminds me of exercise. Where are you going? Where are you going with this, Cliff? I'm headed to a lovely little vacation spot called the solution of this mystery. Jonathan Waring didn't stand to greet his killer. Now, if his lovely companion had entered the room, he'd have stood up. Same with his niece and nephew. In fact, there's only one person in this house who Jonathan Waring wouldn't have greeted by standing. A servant. Isn't that right, Harlow? Certainly is, sir. Now, if you'd be good enough to put up your hands. See, it's preserve us. He's got a gun. I found it necessary to procure a second firearm. Mr. Sullivan picked up, picked up my gun where I'd left it. Not like a butler to leave a mess. I realized we'd overlooked you as a suspect because they weren't in the will. Waring's plan to sell this place and fire you was as good a motive as any. Precisely, sir. Mr. Waring told me he planned to let me go. He said it would be a chance for me to be my own man. Never occurred to him that I enjoy bottling. I bottle very well, and I wouldn't let him take that away from me. But you didn't have to kill him. There are other jobs for a gentleman's gentleman. I know that now, sir. I became unhinged. Beneath this butler's exterior lies the furious temper of a footman. But none of that matters now. I'll simply leave, and none of you will follow me. I've ruined one piece of furniture with a bullet and have no compunctions about doing so again. That's a good plan, but you're forgetting something, Harlow. And what is that, sir? You didn't take my coat when I came in. Oh, dear, I didn't, did I? Here, well, let me just Don't take... give me that gun. Hey, wait, that's... It's... it's uh, uh, Gosh and Bagora. Now that was some fast thinking, Cliffy, me boy. Let me get the cuffs on this rascal. I can't believe it was Harlow. I'm going to give him extra chores tomorrow as punishment. Oh, Cliff, you were wonderful. Ah, uh, wasn't much, really. Just a keen eye, deductive reasoning, and a prizefighter's punch. Anybody could do it. But you believed in me when nobody else did. It was so good for me to know I had such a strong, strapping man in my corner. Yeah? Maybe we should celebrate your exoneration with dinner. Tonight? Oh, I wish I could. But I have plans with Max. Max? That bum? He'd have to work just to be a loafer. Oh, he's not all bad. And recently there's just something so wealthy about him. <laughs> I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't know how I never noticed it before. Hmm. But I think I have a way to show my appreciation. Is that right? Yes. If I'm ever accused of killing Max, you're my first phone call. Ah, uh, so close. So that wrapped up the case. Though Myra and I didn't see eye to eye, 
She threw me a generous bonus after her share of the inheritance came through. I had enough to buy a new chair for my office. You have to stay comfortable. Strangest things can happen to you when you're sitting down. Another case closed from the files of Cliffhanger Private Eye. But even now, trouble is on the prowl. Danger is afoot. And mystery is hailing a cab. Won't be long before a new client brings Cliffhanger back to the doorstep of intrigue and adventure. Join us next time for another exciting story of Cliffhanger Private Eye. Listening to Radio Classics on Public Broadcast Radio. Coming up later tonight, another episode of No, Please Don't Do That. <laughs> That's PBR's fast paced game show where pundits are quizzed on current events while they receive mild electrical shocks. <laughs> this is Public Broadcast Radio, PBR. Wow, what a mystery. And a thrilling climax, courtesy of our favorite detective. They don't make private eyes like Cliffhanger anymore, Barley. They sure don't, Craig. If they did, I might be able to find out where my husband goes every Wednesday night. <laughs> talk, talk about a real mystery. <laughs> um. <laughs> Say, Craig, we might need a break after all of that excitement. Great idea, Barley. The next show on our bill was one of radio's most popular soap operas, Paging Dr. Destiny. Back then, listeners couldn't get enough of this dashing physician. That's right. In fact, in 1948, Agoraphobia magazine voted it best way to spend 11 to 11.15 a.m. <laughs> and you know those folks are never wrong. Let's give it a listen. For delightful meals, use Duchess Bakeware. For delightful daytime listening, here's Paging Dr. Destiny. Each day at this same time, the makers of Duchess Bakeware bring you another chapter in the life of Dr. Graham Destiny and his fellow doctors and nurses of Munchausen Memorial Hospital. As our story opens, we find Nurse Trudy Fairlight making her rounds through the hospital's halls. <sighs> what are you so happy about, Trudy? Did Mr. Wilson in 304... Oh, no, he's still alive. Today is the day, Glenda. I can feel it. You and your feelings. Today is the day that Dr. Destiny asked me for dinner. You've said it before. I know, but today is different, Glenda. I could see something in his eyes when he looked at me during the emergency appendectomy yesterday. And that look was still in his eyes when we realized we were actually working on the tonsillectomy patient. A young doctor like that has no time for romance. Oh, Glenda, you're such a negative Nelly. There's more to being a doctor than practicing medicine. And I'm just the girl to show him that. Better get ready. Here he comes. Good afternoon, Dr. Destiny. Hello, ladies. Everything shipshape? Yes, doctor. Everything's ready for the procedure. Ah, yes. We certainly want everything ready for the procedure. <laughs> Carry on. Dr. Destiny. Huh? <laughs> 
was wondering if you'd be eating dinner tonight. Dinner? Oh, yes. I suppose I will have dinner. Oh, is that all? Yes, that'll be all. I already had lunch. Now excuse me. <sighs> he barely noticed me. He's a doctor, sweetie. You can't compete with the feel of a scalpel and the chance to play God. Well, what am, <laughs> what am I going to do? What will Trudy Fairlight do? Well, if she was fixing a meal for the whole family, there's only one thing to do. Get out her Duchess bakeware. Bless you. <laughs> Why, even the simplest casserole looks like a five-star meal when it's prepared with Duchess. Ladies, the kitchen is your kingdom, and you can be a queen. Your husband and kiddos will say, hail to the queen, when you fix their dinners with Duchess Bakeware. As we rejoin our story, we find Dr. Destiny conferring with his colleague, Dr. Chad Hunt. Howdy, Graham. Hey, Chad. Cigarette? Sure. I was almost done with this one anyway. <laughs> Big day today. You mean, the procedure? What else could I mean? It's too risky. I didn't go to medical school to play it safe. It's days like this that make me proud to put on the white coat. You're a braver man than I, that's for sure. Heck, I don't know any doctor who'd be willing to try reattaching conjoined twins. <laughs> I'm no hero, Chad. I'm just a man. A handsome, handsome man. And I have a gift to share with the world. Who's assisting? Trudy Fairlight. Oh. Now what's that supposed to mean? Oh, I think you know. She must never know. You have to tell her. Look at the time. I'd better be going. Same. Drinks at four? Perfect. Got some quiet time between operations. Nurse Fairlight, are my sewing gloves ready? Well, they are, but I really want to... What's wrong, Trudy? I haven't seen you this blue since you choked on that chicken bone in the cafeteria. <laughs> Dr. Destiny. Oh, Graham, what's happened to us? Trudy. For so long, I felt there was a connection between us. The looks we exchanged in the hall, our private jokes, the way you left your window blinds open so I can see through your house from the street. Nurse Fairlight! I'm about to try and reattach formerly conjoined twins. Get yourself together. No! Not until you tell me why we can't be together. There's, there's just no easy way to say this. I'm in love with your sister. My sister? But uh, I don't have a sister. I know. <laughs> and there's no easy way to say this. You have amnesia. Will Dr. Destiny be able to reattach the conjoined twins? How will this devastating revelation affect Nurse Trudy Fairlight? And will she even remember any of it tomorrow? We'll find out then, and so will you, when Duchess Bakeware presents another chapter of Paging Dr. Destiny.
wow, what a story. <laughs> they sure left the audience hanging with that ending. I can't imagine housewives back then waiting an entire day to find out what happened to their favorite characters. Though I'm sure they appreciated having something to do, Barley. No doubt, Craig. What's the last show in our program for tonight? It's one of my favorites and yours too, Barley. It's a thrilling adventure of that daring space ranger, Captain Fremulon. Let's blast off to the cosmos with the captain and his crew. All systems go for launch, Craig. And now, the thrilling adventures of Captain Fremulon. Melio's Five Full Courses in Every Bite presents... The Thrilling Adventures of Captain Fremulon! Yes, it's another thriller escapade of Captain Fremulon, daring Space Ranger, and his intrepid crew, Junior Space Ranger Petey Peterson, Quasar the Space Dog, and Wendy. Join this daring cadre of heroes as they hurtle through the uncharted miles of space! But first, a quick word about breakfast. Not that you need to hear it if you started your morning with a big bowl of Melio's. You see, Melio's is packed full of all the energy and nutrients you get from a five-course meal. Why, each spoonful is packed with that salad, soup, appetizer, main course, and dessert you need to start a long day. Just pour on the milk and you'll taste that leafy salad and piping hot soup. And who knows what tasty main course you'll find. Maybe it's juicy veal or flavorful tripe. Whatever it is, you'll agree that Melio's is full of five courses, all of them F-U-N. And now, back to the thrilling adventures of Captain Fremulon! Today, as our story opens, we find our heroes aboard the Star Chaser, returning from the moons of Yule and another daring adventure. But little do they suspect that even now, they are speeding towards an appointment with danger. Golly gosh, Captain Fremulon, what an exciting mission. You sure showed those ne'er-do-wells a thing or two. Petey, if a space ranger keeps a cool head, a keen eye, and a barrage of fully armed pulsar torpedoes, there's nothing the universe can throw at him that he won't be able to overcome. I can't help but think they had given up, Captain. That flag they waved was awfully white. Nonsense, Wendy, it's never that simple. No, they hope to lull us into lowering our defenses with a ruse of surrender. Remember, Petey, your craftiest adversaries will stop at nothing to deceive you. Is that why they scream so loud, Captain Fremulon? Precisely. Nothing ruins an evildoer's day like being bested by a smarter adversary. Captain, this is peculiar. Sensors are picking up a very faint distress signal, but it appears to be coming from a small, uncharted planet just ahead. Hmm. A mysterious call for help on an uncharted planet. Two ingredients of a very adventurous stew. It's time to spring into action once more and get to the bottom of this. Make ready the landing gear. Captain, I really think we should scan the planet for life before we land. We never do that, and it almost always leads to trouble. Precisely why we shouldn't, Wendy. Someone might expect us to change course and scan the planet. And the minute you become predictable, your career as a resourceful space ranger is over. Prepare to land! Throwing caution to the wind, the Star Chaser comes in for a landing on the surface of the planet, overgrown with thick jungle and underbrush. It looks like the signal is coming from beyond that clump of trees. 
Who knows what we'll find? Indeed. Wendy, here. You carry the laser rifle. Wow. Thank you, Captain. I've been practicing in the ship's firing range. What? Oh, heavens, Wendy, it isn't loaded. I just need my hands free for my drink. Ah, ah, but don't you worry, my dear. At the first sign of any trouble, you just hand that to me and I'll take care of everything. You know, Captain, I'm a pretty good shot. Wendy, we've been over this before. The laser rifle is my weapon. I don't try and take your weapon away from you. And I keep telling you the iron is not a weapon. (laughs) If and when the time comes, I'll wield the rifle to keep us out of harm's way. Golly gosh, Captain Fremion. Quasar and I feel better already. There it is. This is the ship that was giving off the signal. Holy history. This ship looked like it's been here for a hundred years. Too right, Petey. If only we could know for sure. I'd say 120 years, Captain. Well, that's as good a guess as any, Wendy. No, it's not a guess. The hull of the ship has the date it was commissioned. I suppose we'll have to agree to disagree. (laughs) Oh, ghost ship of the past, if only we had the key to your mysteries. I found the ship's log. If there was but a way to learn your secrets. The log says this was the supply ship Hamel, and it transported materials to colonies in the Outer Rim. Here's the last entry. It looks like they'd experienced a power failure. The crew abandoned ship, and it looks like it crash-landed here. Nonsense, Wendy. It's never that simple. Besides, most captains don't even use their ship's log. You don't use the log? How, How would anyone ever know what we've done? Logs are a record, Wendy. A record of words. And words can be read by the enemy. And I would rather die than let any precious information fall into enemy hands. Gosh, Captain Fremulon, you're so clever. And I'll never apologize for it, Petey. Just as the master chess player doesn't apologize when he reaches the other side of the board and says, King me. (laughs) What is it, boy? It looks like he's found something through that clump of trees. Are you coming, Captain? In a minute, Wendy. Look at this ship. It's just so sad. Aw, Captain. They completely cleaned out the galley before they abandoned ship, and I'm starving. Gosh, what's that noise? I said I'm hungry, Petey. Don't mock the fierce growls of my stomach. No, it's someone coming. Quick, get down behind these logs. Leaping lizards! Look at those people! They're... wait, they're... A lost civilization! They're pantsless. Look at those get-ups they're all dancing around in. Who do you suppose they are? This planet is classified as uninhabited, Petey. There's no record of them. We may be the first humans to even see them. Holy undiscovered country. I can't believe it. And I can't believe their clothes. What? I said I can't believe their ridiculous clothes! (laughs) Oh, Wendy, what have you done? They've heard us. Interlopers. Who are you, and what do you want here? I am Captain... Captain, remember, we may be the first outsiders they've ever seen. It's a culture untouched by time and invention. We need to handle the situation delicately. I couldn't agree with you more, Wendy. (coughs) Stand back, all of you. Marvel at my advanced ways and technology. No, uh, uh, we mean you no harm, but we have never seen any like you before. Well, ma'am, if you needed an introduction to the human race, you couldn't have done any better. 
I'm Captain Fremulon of the Intergalactic Space Rangers. And I am the High Priestess of the Sacred Temple. As the first visitors to our world, I bid you welcome. Holy hospitality! This is incredible. How did you learn our language? All we know, all we need to know, comes from the fallen starboard. It fell here long ago when our father's fathers were boys. Before it came, we knew nothing. But thanks to the words in its log, we learned a new language, a new way of life, a new model for our world. Amazing. Remarkable. Now if we only knew how they learned our language. Captain, I'm pretty sure the High Priestess just explained it to us. Nonsense, Wendy. It's never that simple. Look at those men. They're not even wearing pants. Have you ever seen anyone so dense and simple-minded? Every day of my life. <laughs> well, now on to pressing matters. Uh, where can a weary space traveler get a bite to eat in these parts? Well, of course, uh, you will all join us at guests at our communal feast at sundown. Hmm, still a few hours to go, huh? Uh, what do you have in the way of snacks? Uh, light hors d'oeuvres, perhaps? Oh, for Pete's sake. Would you be able to see, would we be able to see your city in the meantime? We would love the chance to learn more about your people and your world. Please, follow me. Better stay with the ship, Quasar. <laughs> the High Priestess leads our heroes on a guided tour as they become the first explorers to set foot in this wonderful new world. But as the hours drag on, the dreaded foe called Hunger advances on our party. And there is our temple, where we keep the sacred idol. Might the sacred idol be near a slightly less sacred snack bar? What is the idol? When the starboard was found so long ago, it was the only item that was undamaged and pristine. Not even the crash of the ship from the cosmos could do it any harm. And ever since we found it, it has occupied a place of honor in our temple. Behold our sacred idol. Leap in lunchtime. You found this, this idol in the starship? Of course. It survived its plummet from the stars intact. To know that something so fragile could remain intact in its chaotic descent from the heavens. <gasps> It gives us the hope we need to press on each and every day. Yes. Yes. Um, excuse us, please. Petey, Captain, come here. Gee, Wendy, is that idol what I think it is? I'm afraid so, Petey. Well, there's only one question I have. Are our uniforms made of edible cloth? What? No. Captain, their sacred idol is an unopened ration pack from the supply ship. These people have been worshipping food. Do we tell them? We can't, Petey. It's our duty as space rangers to preserve planetary cultures to the best of our abilities. Besides, even if it's just food to us, they used it to build an amazing society and set of values. It's not our place to question it. Well said, Wendy. It's important for us to respect this great culture we food. Found. I said that. I think you said food. Oh, Wendy, it's not your fault you're thinking of food at a time like this but I'm afraid you'll have to hold off on your cooking plans until we get back to the ship. Now, let's get back to the tour the priestess has graciously agreed to provide. Oh, all right. You've done so much here. It inspires us. And there is so much more to show you. Please, come this way. Indeed. And yet I feel I have so much more to learn from the temple. You will excuse me, of course. Why, certainly, Captain. Captain, where are you going? Can't pass up a chance to learn about a new culture, Wendy. Captain? 
Your society is amazing. It is all thanks to the idol. If the idol were ever to be defiled, I fear it could mean the end of our way of life. Ah, uh, uh, there, there you are, my crew. Uh, well, I think I've seen all I need to see. Nothing to do now but get back to the ship, and uh, maybe it's time for us to... Ah! Oh, Exalted one! The idol! It is gone! What? Holy moly! Uh. <laughs> Captain, you didn't eat the idol. Every crumb. Not as good as your cooking, Wendy, but who'd have thought it would still be so good after all these years? I mean, no offense intended, my backwards friends. Wendy has nature's advantage when it comes to fixing delicious meals. You have defiled the sacred idol. There can only be one punishment for such an affront. Oh, I get it. Some sort of deep space Montezuma's revenge, eh? Well, do your worst. No. You yourself must be eaten. Holy heartburn. Captain Quick, the laser rifle. What? Uh, oh, right. Uh, I needed my hands free for the idol. I left it with that friendly chap outside the temple. Oh, there he is. Oh, look, he's trying to figure out how it works. Prepare the ceremonial feast. I won't lie to you, Wendy. The situation is pretty dire. Oh? You think so, Captain? Indeed. I don't think the rations are sitting quite right. Oh. In a t twist of tasty fate, a surreptitious snack has landed the captain in hot water. Will he be the main course on this murderous menu? Will his friends find a way to spoil this dastardly dinner? We'll find out right after this important message. Well, gang, you sure heard me talk about Melios a lot, and I could tell you about them all day, but I thought I'd give someone else a chance to tell you about these little bites full of five courses. Fresh from the field, it's football star Crash Harris. Take it away, Crash. Hello, boys and girls. When I get hungry, I always reach for a big box of my favorite cereal on or off the field. I mean, Melios. Of course they give me the energy to make it to the end zone every time and score lots of tuck-downs, so be sure to ask your folks for lots of mealy O's. Couldn't have said it better myself. Crash, go get yourself a box today. Uh, no, Crash, the exit's over there. <laughs> And now we return to the thrilling adventures of Captain Fremulon! When we last left our heroes, Captain Fremulon had been sentenced to death by the high priestess of the native tribe. We rejoin them now as Wendy and Petey confer with Captain Fremulon behind bars in a native jail. I can't believe it. Captain Fremulon sentenced to death. Oh, sir, I'd gladly trade places with you. You can't. He already asked. Chin up, Petey. This isn't anything that can't be sorted out with a good man-to-man -man talk with that wizard. She's their high priestess, Captain. And I don't think it will be that easy. After all, you ate the symbol of their entire society. Which gave me indigestion, and I've been a good sport for not bringing that little fact up to these savages. Hey, someone's coming. The ceremonial feast will be ready by sundown. Soon... He who ate the sacred idol will himself be eaten. It is a dark day for you. It certainly is. Indeed. 
And you didn't even get to see our theater. Oh, exalted one, I beg of you, is there any mercy that can be shown to him? There is no mercy for such a crime. Your captain will be punished according to our laws. But uh, you and your young friend played no role in the desecration of our sacred idol. Therefore, if you wish, you are free to leave our lands. My crew abandoning me? Not likely, my primitive... Thanks for everything. Wi Come on, Petey. Stop! I am a space ranger, and while we are trained in the fiery tactics of war, we are also schooled in the soothing calm of peace. <laughs> I believe we can resolve our differences through dialogue and discourse. Perhaps, uh, perhaps you are right. Captain, after all, we built our society around the idol to make ourselves better than we were before. Good. Now, before we start, I'm still a little hungry. Are there any other idols? As, as Captain Fremulon summons all his diplomatic skills, Wendy and Petey race back through the jungle toward the Star Chaser. Golly gosh, Wendy. What are we going to do to save Captain Fremulon? We're... Wait, What? You weren't gonna leave him here, were you? Petey, I was oh, just... I know you wouldn't do that to Captain Fremulon, Wendy. Not after all of the opportunities he's given you. Why, you're the only one he trusts to handle the cooking, the cleaning, and the dangerous deep space repairs to the outside of the ship. <laughs> I think I can see the ship from here. And I know nobody I look up to so much would leave a space ranger behind. If we run now, we can... Wait. What was that? Why, sure, Wendy. I mean, I love Captain Fremulon. He's brilliant, fearless, and humble. Poor deluded kid. But you're just a regular average person like me. And golly gosh, if you can grow up to have so many neat jobs on a spaceship, then maybe someday I can too. And I can be as important to my ship as you are to the Star Chaser. You think I'm important? Well, yeah. I mean, if we didn't have you, Wendy, we wouldn't eat. My quarters would be a pigsty, and well... What? Sometimes, well, it's only because the captain's got so many things on his mind. Sometimes you fix the little stuff he forgets to do. Petey. Oh, Petey. Ah, yuck, a hug from a girl. <laughs> Thank you, Petey. Ah, what are friends for? Petey, I have a question for you, and I need you to be honest. What if, hypothetically, Captain Fremulon were to die. I'd blast myself out of the airlock with only my tears to keep me safe. <laughs> That's what I thought. Let's head back. I think I have a plan. Meanwhile, at the ceremonial feast, sundown draws ever closer, and the cooking fire is stoked by angry natives as Captain Fremulon continues his negotiations. Okay, hear me out, Your Majesty. You let me go, and the people eat you instead. Stop calling me Your Majesty. And absolutely not. Exalted one, the Defiler's Companions have returned. The Defiler's Companions? They were my favorite band. They reunited? <laughs> Captain, we came back. Oh, yes, Petey. And, uh, um, uh, what, who are you, what? Wow, seriously? I, mean, I do not understand. We allowed you to leave, so why have you returned? Surely it is not compassion for this... This son of Exalted a... one, there is a kid over there. Beach. Ah, <laughs> oh, you didn't even get to see our beach either. Now why have you come back? Exalted one, I know how you feel. Believe me, I know how you feel. But the world I saw today, 
This isn't a world that would condemn a man to death just because of a simple mistake. The people I met today are enlightened. They've learned how to rise above the strife and petty discord of Earth. You based your world on our spaceship, but you've surpassed us. I know that our pleas for mercy will be heard and understood by sympathetic ears. Well, uh, hmm. I have changed my mind. You let Captain Fremulon go? <laughs> no. We're going to eat you, too. Well, it was worth a shot. Let him have it, Petey. Ah! Take cover! Oh, one second. I think I saw some appetizers over there near the cooking fire. You shot him, Wendy. Stunned him, Petey. I'll pick him up. You keep up the suppressing fire. Later, our heroes are back aboard the Star Chaser, leaving the uncharted planet as they head for home. Golly gosh, that was another harrowing adventure. Should we put it in the log, Wendy? I think we can follow the captain's advice on the log this time, Petey. Ah, goodness do I feel well-rested. Hard to believe one of those savages got his hands on a standard-issue Space Ranger stun blaster. Darn near impossible. I hope all of this taught you a valuable lesson, Petey. I bet Petey isn't the only one who learned a lesson on this mission, Captain. Wendy, could I have a word with you in private? Um, sure. Didn't want to say this in front of Petey, you understand? I mean, he's so impressionable. I know, Captain. You were right. He wasn't the only one to learn a lesson today. I'm... I'm surprised to hear you say that, sir. I imagine you are. But don't worry, I won't lord it over you. Excuse me? Well, Wendy, if you'd been on the ball when it came to the meals around here, we wouldn't have walked into that native death trap on empty stomachs, susceptible to their ration-baited trap. But the important thing is you learned your lesson, and it won't happen again. What? Now who's hungry? Me. Me too. Why don't you eat up? But we all know a Space Ranger's true appetite is for adventure and excitement beyond the stars. And uh, who knows what morsels of mystery await our crew. Join us next time and find out on the thrilling adventures of Captain Additional support for Radio Classics is provided by Ernie's List, compiling all negative reviews for products, restaurants, and services in one convenient location. Don't just complain, complain better at Ernie'sList.com. <laughs> this is Public Broadcast Radio, PBR. You know you're always in for adventure when Captain Fremulon and his crew arrive on the scene. Adventure, romance, drama, there were so many wonderful shows in those days. Say, Craig, wouldn't it be neat if people did these kinds of shows today? You know, new, old-time radio. Really, Borley? That seems pretty silly to me. Hmm. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> yes, I suppose you're right. From all of us here at PBR, thanks for listening, and good night. And that's this week's show. Please check the show notes for links for the Firehouse Radio Players on sonicsociety.org. And before we go, I personally want to thank Jack Mooney, host of Down These Mean Streets podcast and Stars on Suspense podcast, 
for letting us feature this show. Until next week, when we have more new shows, I'm Jack Ward. And I'm David Alt. Have a wonderful day. The Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Madison is on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Well, mostly true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You think anyone ever listens and are like, dude, that's totally Carl from work. You're not going to help. You're just going to stand there. You know there's a dead body in the trunk. There's always a dead body in the trunk. Why don't we focus on the facts? Oh, right. Just the facts, ma'am. I've never actually said that. Really? Google it. I'm not going to give you a line. I carried a torch for the mook. I was set to get hitched. Everything was duck soup until he met this Nelson broad. You talk so old-timey. I have no idea what you said, but it's adorbs. Are you actually telling our prime suspect the best way to create a false alibi? He's obviously too stupid to do it for himself. Visit our website at madisonontheair.com or find us pretty much any place podcasts can be found. There are a number of everyday precautions that we can all take that may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. The first is to make sure to clean your hands often. Now, washing your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds is the best, but if you don't have that, try to use a hand sanitizer that has at least 60% alcohol. And to the extent possible, avoid touching high-touch surfaces in public places. These are things like elevator buttons, door handles, handrails, or of course handshaking with people. Wash your hands after touching surfaces in public places. Avoid touching your face, your nose, and your eyes. And clean and disinfect your home to remove germs, practicing routine cleaning of frequently touched surfaces like tables, doorknobs, light switch handles will make a difference. Avoid crowds, especially in poorly ventilated spaces. All these small things that we can do may help to slow down the spread of the coronavirus. For more information, go to cdc.gov and be well, everyone.